The content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. We are going higher indeed, everyone. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Marie Early. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Good day, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Good afternoon. Yeah, I love that. I love a British accent. How come British people, no matter what they say, they always sound smarter with that accent? Would you agree with that? I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Marie likes oh the gosh. Brits, huh? Oh, yeah, she does. She uh-huh. dated a guy from Great Britain for a long time. Almost married him. We'll get that story tomorrow oh. when we do our free falling <laughs> show. We're just going to put it out there tomorrow. But uh, we've got a great show today. I'm so excited about this show. I truly am. We have Stacy Malkin with us. She is a co-founder and managing editor of the U.S. Right to Know, a nonprofit investigative research group focused on promoting transparency for public health. U.S. Right to Know uncovers report and reports and, and publishes on documents obtained through public records laws uh, or public records laws and from whistleblowers and provides corporate and government documents to journalists around the world. Their work has contributed to multiple New York Times investigations, over a dozen academic journal articles, and global media coverage about how food and chemical corporations work to protect their profits at the expense of public health. Stacy is also the author of the award-winning book, Not Just a Pretty Face, The Ugly Side of the Beauty Industry, and co-founder of the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics and National Coalition of Health Environmental Groups that Exposed Hazardous chemicals in the personal care products. Uh, Stacy's work has been published in Time Magazine, the New York Times, Washington Post, Nature Biotechnology, and many other outlets. She has appeared in eight documentary films, including The Human Experiment, produced by Sean Penn, and Not So Pretty, now airing on HBO Max. And she also was in a movie, a stink movie. It's not on her bio, but she, uh, and I love this, and I have to say, good for you, uh, (laughs) good for you. You, Stacy, the uh, actually the guy that uh, came up with or uh, you know that produced that movie, uh, John Whelan, was on our show in 2018. Did a whole hour with us. Oh, wonderful! He's terrific. He's terrific. I'm so glad to be with you all today. Thank you yes. so much for having me. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm so excited about the show. And let me put your website out there. Uh, your website is us uh, usr. That's uh, that's us. Right to know, rtk.org. So usrtk.org, usrtk.org. Okay, Stacy, let's just get right to it. You know, uh, it, as I said, it's so great to have you with us, and I really thank you for, for joining us today. But before we get into the topic, will you give us a little history of your organization, U.S. Right to Know? Sure. So U.S. Right to Know, we're a small nonprofit investigative research group. We started in 2015, and I co-founded the group uh, with Gary Ruskin, who's a longtime public interest researcher. And I worked for many years in journalism and public health advocacy. Um, and we began working together in 2012 when we worked on a campaign in California to try to label genetically engineered foods. Mm. Um, and, and it was a very <laughs> expensive, brutally fought campaign. 
Monsanto and the pesticide, and food companies spent $45 million to defeat that ballot oh. initiative. And we were on the front lines of that and sort of re- really saw how many lies were coming from so many sources um, to defeat that ballot initiative, which they were able to do. In the wake of that, we really wanted to know how did they do it? How are companies working behind the scenes with professors, public health groups, public universities, um, many seemingly independent actors who we witnessed were saying, you know, talking points that inaccurate, talking points that came straight from the company. So we started at that point to figure out how to research and try to get at what was happening behind the scenes. Uh, We launched U.S. Right to Know in 2015, starting with an investigation of the agrochemical industry and filed many public records requests, um, also worked with whistleblowers, getting at documents that companies never thought the public would see. Um, And we report on those, give them to other journalists. um, And we have since expanded our investigation to cover the processed food industry, um, Mm. also look at the biotech industry and and research going into dangerous pathogens and other public health uh, topics that are so undercovered. And we're really Mm. trying to look at where other people aren't looking, where other public health groups or other journalists aren't looking um, to, you know, take what's been hidden and bring it into the public view for discussion. Mm, I love that for a discussion. Yeah. And that's what we need more of, don't we? So 2015 is when you started U.S. Right to Know. So were you as a child, were you kind of an activist, you know, like as a teenager? <laughs> when did this start with you? <laughs> that's funny. I started in sixth grade, actually. I knew it. Neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew it. A neighbor had me out leafleting for political parties. And yeah, she it's funny. I told her a few years ago. Now she's in her late 70s. I said, oh, wow. you really inspired me, Mrs. Lee. And um, I wrote a book and I really credit you for that. And I gave her a copy of my book and she said, oh, that's great. What are you doing Tuesday? Can you come to a meeting to advocate for you know, <laughs> these policies in our town? I loved that. Yeah. Once an, an activist, always an activist. I think we're all activists. It's sometimes seen as a too. dirty word, but like if you're taking action to make the world a better place, then we're all activists. Well, and some people can stand up more easily than others. And I think that if you have that in your blood or your determination or in your genes, whatever, I think that it is your duty to serve because I think, uh, you know, someone has to lead the, fr- the forefront of this, right, uh, of the U.S. right to know, because we do have a right to know. We need to know what's in our food because your health is the most valuable thing that you possess. Agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, March uh, marks the 50th anniversary of the National Nutrition Month, uh, started by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with the purpose of inviting the public to learn about making informed food choices and developing healthful eating and physical activity habits. So, Stacy, who is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and what is the purpose of the Academy? So this is an incredibly powerful organization. They call themselves the world's largest organization of nutrition and dietetics practitioners, representing more than 112,000 
credentialed practitioners. So that includes registered dietitians or nutritionists or other food and nutrition professionals um, in hospitals, in uh, universities. So really the people who are, who are guiding our understanding of what it means to, to eat healthfully and live the best lives we can. So they're educated, you know, this group, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics is educating these professionals. They're involved also with setting the dietary guidelines from the U.S. government. Um, and as I said, through setting the, the national advice on what it means to eat healthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they're incredibly powerful, but they are also corrupted as we've reported and as many of the documents that we've obtained, you know, lays out. And we wrote about that in a study that came out last October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is the one I have here. Can the nutrition industry be trusted? New report says no. Um, you know, and I have to say, I um, I have two friends that are dietitians. Uh, they used to be registered dietitians. No longer. One of them, I quote, she said, it was like belonging to a cult. And the other one uh, basically ended up in court with this group of, uh, of uh, educators, if you will, or dietitians and nutritionists, because she her advice that she wanted to give to people was, was uh, counterintuitive to theirs. And so she basically ended up in court and, uh, and finally said, you know what, I'm, I, I'm not arguing with you anymore. And she basically gave up her license, her dietitian's oh. license, which, as you know, takes about six years of education at a very high cost, right? Yes. Yes, and that's a tragic story. And and in all, it's important to point out that there are many nutritionists and dietitians who are fighting back against this corporate capture of mm-hmm. this powerful group. So so not all of them are Good. are members. Um, but we focus on the group because they are so influential in, in uh-huh. giving nutrition advice that is not always in the best interest of people who eat food. Often it isn't uh, because of the corporate influence over this group. Mm-hmm. Well, so how does the Academy influence our food choices? Can you give us some examples? Sure. So as I said, they're very influential in setting the U.S. dietary guidelines. And that's really, you know, a set of generalized recommendations for mm-hmm. something very personal, nutrition. How are we supposed to eat to be the most healthful? So every five years, the U.S. Department of Agriculture and U.S. Department of Health and Human Services puts out these guidelines. Um, supposedly, they synthesize the latest nutrition advice, and they form the foundation, really, of all government food programs, you know, what kids are eating in schools, what, what oh, wow. healthcare institutions serve. And if you think about those meals, you know, we know intuitively they're not healthy. And no. looking at the food pyramid, so that's where we, we all know that food pyramid in our heads, well, at the bottom of it is, is all the carbs, the, the breads, the cereals, rice, pasta, um, that we know from recent science is not the most healthful food to be eating. Right. Um, you know, they have the, the oils at the very tip, but the current best science is saying, you know, healthy fats and oils are important for a, for a healthy diet, fruits and vegetables, uh, not so many carbs. Um, yeah. But really, the, the guidelines are set on uh, the theory of our agricultural policies, which push for these monocultures that have generated a, a glut of cheap, refined carbohydrates. You know, mm-hmm. corn, soy, and things that go into processed foods. Mm-hmm. So really, the, the, the ultra-processed food industry is setting the guidelines, um, setting government policy, and have captured groups like the American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. 
which mm. is what we found in our research. They just yeah. have many channels of influence to set the tone and the guidance for, as your friend found out, you know, what these groups can talk about and what they can't. Mm-hmm. And the nutrition advice they give is conveniently what the kinds of foods that the ultra-processed food industry is trying to sell. Right. Well, I, th- I believe it was the paleo diet that she was such a huge proponent of, um, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, she was on the show for a long time. Really, really wonderful um, girl. And uh, and my other friend, too. Just wonderful people. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, things change. Information changes. And information, as you know, can be easily influenced by some of these big contributors, right? Which we're going to get into that. I'm looking at the clock. We're going to go for a quick break. Everyone stay tuned. More coming up with Stacey Malkin. She is the co-founder and manager. Managing editor of U.S. Right to Know, a nonprofit investigative research group focused on promoting transparency for public health. Stay tuned, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. <laughs> Centuries before scientists identified the incredible nutritive value of beef liver, our ancestors naturally revered it for the energy and vitality it provides. But most people today find liver's health benefits much more appealing than its flavor. That's why our partner EnviroMedica offers a superior New Zealand grass-fed beef liver supplement. All the complex benefits of this ancient powerhouse superfood in modern, easy-to-swallow capsule form. Find out how to rewild yourself for optimum health at EnviroMedica.com. That's EnviroMedica.com. It's time to optimize your health at KetoCon, the world's largest gathering of health leaders and innovators. April 21st through the 23rd at the Palmer Events Center in Austin, Texas. Go to KetoCon.org by April 1st for $50 off a three-day pass. And for a limited time, One Life Radio listeners can use the code OLR at checkout for another $50 off for a total savings of $100. Go to KetoCon.org today and I'll see you there. From the Talk Radio 1190 Weather Center, cloudy with a chance of thunderstorms through tomorrow, a high in the upper 60s. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. All right, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Stacey Malkin. Uh, she is the co-founder and managing editor of U.S. Right to Know, a nonprofit investigative research group focused on promoting transparency for public health. And we are live on iHeartMedia here in Dallas, Texas, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk, where our topic today is, can the nutrition industry be trusted? So, you know, Stacey, uh, 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 a recently released report that we talked about uh, found that the Academy may not have the public's best interest at heart. So who is behind this report and what were their findings? So this is a study that was uh, co-authored by my colleague, Gary Ruskin from U.S. Rights to Know, along with several other public health scholars, uh, Angela Carriedo, Alana Pinsky, Eric Crosby, and Melissa Mialong. And these scholars, uh, the study is called The Corporate Capture of the Nutrition Profession in the United States, The Case of the Academy and Nutrition of Dietetics. Uh, which, as we discussed earlier, is one of the world's leading and most influential professional groups for nutritionists. Mm -hmm. And it was published last October in Public Health Nutrition. So this study, as much of the work that we do, is based on uh, many, many internal documents that we obtained through public records requests 
tens of thousands of pages of internal academy documents. So these scholars poured through those and, and put together the picture of, you know, unfortunately, uh, an incredibly corrupted uh, group that mm -hmm. is very influenced by uh, food and agribusiness and pharmaceutical companies. We found that they accepted millions of dollars from those companies, uh, that they had policies to provide favors in return. Also, that they invested in ultra-processed food companies, but which mm. I think is just an incredible conflict of interest. Oh, yeah. To have groups that are trying to look out for our best interest with nutrition, you know, investing in groups uh, in companies like Nestle and Pepsi. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to jump ahead here. <laughs> so that's where, you know, so these, uh, the Academy, I, this was a question I was going to ask you, also mm -hmm. in, uh, invest in ultra-processed food companies such as Nestle and PepsiCo. Um, and so how can they be allowed to do this? You know, I just f feel like this, you know, as you were saying that uh, a minute ago, we've become a society that lying, cheating, and stealing and corruption has just somehow become socially acceptable uh, be amongst some people. Certainly not me, you, and a lot of people out there listening, but how do they get away with this crap? Well, it's all it's all about money. You know, all of these companies are just trying to get more and more return on their investment, increasing growth. And, you know, mm -hmm. how, how do they keep mm -hmm. growing? They have to sell more and more and more processed foods. And to do that, they need to buy cover from groups like the American Academy of Nutrition, you know, to, to go out there and tell the public, this is okay, you know, nothing to see here. Obesity is just because people need to exercise more, not because people are consuming products made by Pepsi right. or Coke. Mm -hmm. You know, these companies put an enormous amount of effort into that public cover and into third-party allies, you know, unfortunately like public health groups, professional groups, medical groups, and, and the nutritionists. Yeah. yeah. Well, the food pyramid, I mean, like you said, the schools follow it. I'm sure the pediatricians, right, follow it. Uh, doctors say, you you know, follow, right, the recommendations of the government. So it's like a trickle-down from the top. And anyone who drinks the Kool-Aid uh, profits from it. Would you agree with that? I agree, and I think that's true across the whole entire food system, the way we grow food in these huge monocultures that are, you know, genetically engineered and require pesticides. Mm -hmm. And then all this corn and soy that's most of the farmland in the U.S. is not even feeding people. It's going to feed uh, cows or cars through biofuels or ultra-processed food factories. Oh um, so, yeah, it, it, but I think... People know, we know from our own health experiences, from our friends, from, from going on quests for healing, that what we eat is so incredibly important um, and that we can have a very profound effect on our health by eating whole healthy foods, yeah. um, organic foods without mm -hmm. the pesticides, you know, avoiding processed foods yeah, whenever no. we can. And 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 unfortunately, the people that are most susceptible are the poor, right? Because uh, they don't they don't go to fancy places to eat. They can't typically afford fancy food, or organic food, so they are subjected uh, to these toxins and these genetically modified foods that we know cause ob obesity. We've known it for a couple of decades when they first started studying this, right? 
Exactly, exactly. And we really learned this lesson hard in COVID when we saw that the most the people most vulnerable to becoming sick were those in low-income communities, often mm-hmm. people of color, you know, where, where food deserts where there aren't the healthy mm-hmm. whole foods available. Right. Um, and that really, that's this is that we believe the number one public health issue that we need to take on and get right. I uh, agree. The availability of healthy whole foods for everybody. I agree. I really do. You know, okay, so the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics uh, has dismissed this report, stating that corporate funding has not had any influence on its policies or positions. Can you give us some examples of how corporate funding has played a part in the Academy's policies? Yeah, sure. And, and, and first, let's just say how much corporate funding we're talking about. Yeah, let's it's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're not fully transparent about their contributors, so they don't tell you how much money companies are given. But our study was able to determine that in the years we have records for, which was 2011 and then 2013 through 17, they, they had more than $15 million from corporate contributors. Mm-hmm. And um, the top contributors were the National Dairy Council, uh, ConAgra, which is one of the leading processed food holding companies, um, Abbott Nutrition, which makes baby formula that was recently in the news for, for terrible some terrible practices, uh, Pepsi, Coke, Hershey, General Mills. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you was know, that 15 million over the span <laughs> or... That was fifteen million over the span of six years. Okay. Um, we we have on we also have a fact sheet about the academy on our website that looks at their current funders. Now, as I said, they don't tell you how much. So we mm-hmm. we had to go digging for internal documents to to get the amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we can find out from their website, you know, who sponsors them, and the, and the number one in twenty twenty two was the National Confectioners Association, which represents the candy industry. Oh, Um, wow. And and then Bayer Bayer Crop Science, which is a leading manufacturer of pesticides. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So so this is concerning as to who gives the money. And then, you know, we found in the study that they did have, um, depending on your level of sponsorship, you could get some favors in return. And so one of the documents, just for an example, talks about, um, a conversation that they were having, that they beginning conversations with Pediasure. So Pediasure is, um, you know, a drink that's made by Abbott. Yeah. Um, and they talked about could they have a collaboration with the Academy and um, and the Academy Foundation around a, a thing they called the Family Nutrition and Physical Activity Self-Assessment Tool. So this would be a tool that would be used in pediatricians' office with a tie-in to registered dietitians, plus a retailer program in Walmart or Target that wow. would tie together Pediasure with the Academy using mm-hmm. this tool. Wow. So, you know, a lot about, of it is just like getting people comfortable using <laughs> corporate products and feeling like they have a stamp of approval mm-hmm. from the Academy. Mm-hmm. The Academy I, at one point, the worst thing they ever did, and they were really called out for this and they did back off, but they had a Kids Eat Right label at one point that they put on, they offered for certain um, foods. And the first food that this, you know, stamp of approval label appeared on was Kraft Cheese Singles. Oh, wow. Which, you know, those individually wrapped food products that look like cheese. Well, it's basically <laughs> cheap oil. It's, it's, it's the cheap, yeah. 
the cheap oil. That's yeah, and that's what's in Pediasure. I haven't looked at a I haven't looked at a label in a long time. And Ensure, which is also made by them, if I'm not mistaken, by Abbott yeah. Nutrition, right? Or I'm, Abbott? Yeah. What were you gonna say, uh, Jerry? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. I think it says something about cheese food. It's kind of like uh, Velveeta's is you know processed cheese yeah, food. Yeah. And one of my big rules has always been: if you have to tell me it's food, I don't believe you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's a good one. I know, right? That's a good one. Well, and you know, my friend that, that walked away from her dietitian's license, that was one of the main uh, points of contention uh, is that, you know, she didn't, you know, the paleo diet is no dairy. And of course, if the National Dairy Council is, uh, I'm looking at a number here, I don't know what year this was, or how, but the number is $1,496,912. And so that's a nice chunk of change. Um, and I don't know, if, yeah. like you said, if that's the, the figure that was given over six years, but it doesn't even matter. You, they, the two should not be combined. When did we get to this point where where these big corporations can give organizations like this that, as you say, play such a critical role in our health and well-being, if not the number one role in our health and well-being, how are they getting away with this? I'm going to ask it again. You know, (laughs) I just don't, it's it's mind-boggling. No one speaks louder than a dead president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hard question to answer. How I mean, our whole society is revolved around this idea that everybody just should make as much money as we can as our leading, you know, well, uh, guiding ethos. And and then I, I just think we have to get away from that mindset and that companies, you know, this endless growth philosophy is is not healthy. But for what you know, what can we do given that this is the condition um, yep. and insisting on transparency, mm-hmm. um, you know, digging up documents. That's what reporting on them, getting in, them into the hands of researchers and reporters around the world is our piece. But there's so many things that dietitians, you know, nutritionists can do pushing back on these organizations, you know, giving the, the good health advice anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really questioning the dietary guidelines and what the motivations are. And um, I think just all, always also encouraging people to understand that we have to advocate for ourselves. Absolutely. As, you know, as patients, as students, as humans, like what we, we know what's the right way to eat. Um, yeah. And so we just need to trust ourselves with that wisdom and our bodies with that wisdom Mm. and follow that and not be thinking that these groups or the government is going to protect us or do the work for us. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, we need to get the lobbyists out of Washington. We need to stop all these big campaign contributions, right? You know, behind the the back little handshake, hey, here's a million dollars, you know, Uh, (laughs) right? Stuff like that goes on every single day. It's just, it's not okay. And then they feel like they have to pay that favor back when they get in Washington. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to get if we could get corporate money out of Washington and mm-hmm. get the lobbyists out um, and, and have public funding for elections, that would yeah. be a huge step toward uh, a better, stronger democracy. S- say yes. that again louder, please. <laughs> <laughs> say it again, Stacey. <laughs> out of Washington, get the ultra processed food companies out of Washington and out of public health groups and out of public health conferences. That's another area where they oh, have yeah. a lot of <laughs> sway. You're at a conference surrounded by corporate logos and happy people with ultra-processed foods. Uh, just no. Yeah. yeah. And, and these big hospital groups. You know, I mean, you go to Parkland here in Dallas, McDonald's. There's a McDonald's inside the building still. And you're like, oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it used to be at the Cleveland Clinic until recently. I think they, they a couple of years ago, they uh, they got rid of that. Um, I had a friend that went there. Um, he went there <laughs> to be a medical doctor. <laughs> I sound so silly, <laughs> like it's high school or something. I just think it's crazy, though. I mean, like, yeah. and uh, hospitals always, oh, jello. Like, I oh. mean, they serve the worst hospital food. Oh, gosh. It's yeah. It's not it's good for you. No, it's crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've got so much to clean up, but our health is our wealth. And this is, as you said, the number one problem in our country right now is we've got to get our, we've got to get our, our food cleaned up. We do. We have to get these big companies out of our, uh, out of the food production. Okay. So I'm looking at the clock. We need to go to a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. Everyone stay tuned. Stacey Malkin. She is the co-founder and managing editor of U.S. Right to Know, a nonprofit investigative research group focused on promoting transparency for public health. Check it out on Instagram, go to US Right to Know, that's US Right to Know, or their website, USRTK, that's USRTK.org. We'll be right back. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Crazy Waters benefits have a history that runs deep. The legend is that in 1881, a woman who suffered from dementia would sit by the well and drink the mineral water all day long. People began to notice that the woman was not so crazy anymore. Had the well gotten rid of her crazies? The well became known as the Crazy Well and people from all over flocked to this magical place. Back in 1904, the famous mineral water company began bottling and distributing its mineral water. The benefits of these minerals all feed your body and mind what it craves. It's a natural sports drink without all the disruptive artificial flavors and sugars. You can find Crazy Water by visiting their website, drinkcrazywater.com. That's drinkcrazywater.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. Contagiously positive. One Life Radio is back. All right, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Stacey Malkin. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas, on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We are discussing can the nutrition industry industry be trusted? You know, right before the break, we were talking about hospitals, right? And uh, have like there's a, a McDonald's in Parkland. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you is hospitals are notorious for serving unhealthy food to patients um and so uh what does does the academy uh influence what foods are given to hospitals uh hospital patients and babies i they do indirectly and that's because they're so influential with the u.s dietary guidelines that we talked about earlier and really the hospital food institutional food so hospitals schools are based on those, you know, quite outdated and not science-based dietary guidelines, which which advocate for, you know, the bottom, as, as we said, are full of carbs and grains and processed foods that, that current science is really showing is not the best things for our health. So that's one problem with hospital foods. But the other problem is just based on this, you know, cheap, cheap, food system, like like a dollar a day food, you know, for school lunches, which, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, run through this industrialized mill of, like I said before, cheap corn and soy doused with pesticides through the processed food factories. Um, it, it just, we need to really take a look at the whole food system from the way we grow our food 
to how it's sold, distributed, all of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think de-escalate, decentralize, bring it back to local communities as, as much as possible. Um, if, if you can, you know, buying food from local farmers, I know that's not a, an option for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but local food systems as much as possible, I think, is incredibly important for our future. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Showing people how to grow food at home. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Community yeah. gardens. Grow your own. Yeah. Yeah, no, Jerry, you need to start a community garden. You should do that. I don't know where or how or what kind of funding, but I don't know. <laughs> right? And that's it, it comes down to that, right? People kind of don't know where to start, even though they know how important it is. And it's a, it's a big chore to grow your own food. It really is. But so is, uh, you know, your health if you're sick. You when know, I what, was uh, right. living in uh, uh, last house, my ex-wife, our neighborhood got together and we all decided that we were going to just plant food plots in our front yards uh-huh. since they were all connected and then we would all kind of like share the burden of taking care of all of it and share the food and everything mm. and i mean and? technically that would have been a community garden well there was this one guy who oh. said that he thought food was ugly so we couldn't oh my god, oh my god. Is, uh, that's crazy i yeah. know i've heard i think this what is so idiot. inspiring to think about what if we use every yard garden median strip to be growing food i think that would be beautiful in See, that, my that... view and <laughs> oh sorry go ahead yeah well manufactured lawns to me are not so pretty oh absolutely <laughs> See, that led me to start looking into companion planting which i was already doing but you know uh, uh crop plants but there are flowers and other decorative plants that also make great companion plants for food. So if you're worried about somebody thinking that your food garden is ugly, then here are some ways to make it look mm-hmm. like it belongs in a flower garden. Yeah. I mean, this guy had clearly never seen a sweet pea bloom. Wow. Uh-huh. Jerry, didn't you do the foot or one foot uh, garden? What, what What is it called? Oh, the- uh, the, I, call, I call mine the, the three sisters squared but it's a it's a square garden, so and that you can small, right? so that you can grow you know can a grow lot of food in a four mm-hmm. foot by four foot square. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I want to go back to the corruption <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because you know I'm thinking. Okay, so let's just say one of these. Let's one of these big companies. Pick you pick one, Stacy. So I won't be you know. I won't be held accountable. Pick one. Pick oh. one of these big companies, you know. And what I'm going to say here is, okay, so let's just say, okay, so, uh, you know, uh, they influence, you know, what gets in the food pyramid chart, right? Um, is mm-hmm. that, is, would that be uh, a good evaluation? They, yeah, they, they influence, say, let's, uh, let's take, for example, Coca-Cola. I can okay. use them as an example because we've done a ton of research, and Gary has written many papers on Coca-Cola's influence okay. on uh, just an, an astonishing array of government policies, the way government and public health groups talk about obesity. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they do this in many ways. They sponsor public health conferences. Um, oh, yeah. They influence government policies. They, um, they influence how science is conducted. Um, and, and one of the themes is this put, trying to put obesity onto personal responsibility. Everybody mm-hmm. needs to exercise more. Uh, don't look at the soda industry. Nothing to see here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
don't restrict the soda industry. Um, there are ways to restrict the soda industry that has a, has a noticeable impact on public health, raising soda taxes, um, limiting the availability of soda in public institutions, schools and hospitals. Mm-hmm. Many ways we could rein these companies in, and I think we absolutely have to rein these companies in for the health and well-being of, of everyone. Absolutely. And if one of these companies gets a big contract, uh, let's say, with, uh, uh, from, with the government, right, to buy a, a, a bunch of food, their stock value goes up. That's where I'm going with this. So is there any connection yeah. to the stock market and these people that have an influence on what decisions are made? And are they, are they benefiting from it financially? Behind the oh, scenes? absolutely. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. They have to keep selling more, more, more. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they come up with, in my view, increasingly desperate ways to do that, um, like all of these propaganda campaigns um, that cost them tens of millions or more a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I just did a report about um, Bayer and Monsanto and what we know from the documents about how they ran their product defense campaigns for glyphosate. And it is incredibly um, aggressive. So they, they manipulate the science from the ground up, you know, framing how studies are conducted, who studies them to come out with certain PR narratives, who conducts the studies for their PR narratives. Then they influence government regulatory agencies with those studies. We found that they also have a lot of influence over public universities and professors, sometimes paying them behind the scenes to promote and lobby for their products while uh, these people claim to be independent. Mm-hmm. And then they just have a, many groups that they deploy as third-party allies where we see the companies writing the talking points um, and then these groups just carrying them out and promoting them in lots of different ways. And those are groups like, unfortunately, the Academy of Nutrition would fall into a third-party ally. Um, some, some of them are straight-up front groups um, with sciencey sounding names, you know, that, that just continually attack critics of the food industry or the pesticide industry. Mm-hmm. And we, we see throughout that the food processed food, ultra processed food and pesticide companies are working together because oh, yeah. as we talked about earlier, the system's connected from the pesticide crops to the processed food factories. Yeah. Well, Monsanto started making DDT in 1944, along with some other companies. They have a long history of poisoning our planet and us, right? And DDT eventually was removed yeah. off the market, and then they just replaced it with glyphosate and to, to poison us some more. And this stuff isn't going away, by the way. It is. It remains in the soil, a lot of people would say, permanently. And Marie, what do you want? over there trying to say I <laughs> guess, well I think about this all the time I imagine who is making these decisions and spending millions of dollars to skew the research and everything when they know that it's poisoning people so they are not they're living on this planet too so right. what is the it's our be all end all goal <laughs> when they know it's poison I yeah. just don't understand like what do you like what is yes, there? I think a lot about that, too, Marie. I mean, it, yeah, how does the system work? I mean, one of the things we find, and I'm glad you mentioned DDT because we wrote in this recent report, it's called Merchants of Poison, mm-hmm. that Monsanto isn't following in the playbook of big tobacco and big oil. They wrote the playbook. You know, they started <laughs> yeah. back with attacks on Rachel Carson over DDT. Oh. Um, yep. But I think we see in all of these 
fierce where companies that make polluting or toxic products have to run these aggressive PR campaigns. They kind of rely on a small circle of people who are incredibly productive and influential bullies, frankly. That's what we Mm -hmm. see in the pesticide space. People who are bullies and are willing to just attack other people and try to shame and silence. We see a lot of this play out online, right? If you speak out against GMOs or pesticides. I mean, it actually came out during the glyphosate battles that that Bayer's PR firms were tracking hundreds of people. They called them friends and foes of pesticides. You know, when they had these sophisticated models of like, who's saying what? How influential are they? How important is it is that for us to push back on and discredit these people? In some cases, running whole campaigns trying mm-hmm. to discredit certain influencers. Yeah. So they're very they're very threatened by the truth is mm-hmm. the good news of side of the story. They they kind of have to do this to to keep their business models running. So that's why truth telling is so important, shining a light on this, talking mm-hmm. about it on shows like this. Um, yeah, and just getting this information into the hands of everybody who's trying to make choices about food, which is yeah, everybody I mean, every day. Right. And, you know, um, you bring up um, you bring up Rachel Carson, the author of the book uh, Silent Spring, one of my favorite reads. Anyone, if you want to go back and read the history of incredible history book, Silent Spring by Rachel Car- Carson, who really uh, was she was one of the one of the first uh, activists uh, about shutting all this, these pesticides down. And really, she she uh, dedicated the end of her life. She died 18 months after she wrote the book uh, about how DDT was poisoning us then and lead arsenate and and all these things that uh, that we would just, you know, just throw all over the place without even thinking, what is this doing to our children? What is this doing to our environment and our animals, our insects, our waterways, everything? Um, and so many people just don't know. They don't know. But the thing that I want to say, you know, your work has been published uh, in Time Magazine, the New York Times, Washington Post. Why aren't they making, why aren't they making waves like we are right now talking about this and publishing stories about this and holding these big companies like Monsanto, holding them accountable. Why not? I wish they would do more of it. I mean, sometimes those papers have done incredibly important reporting. It's interesting. They'll have reporters who really do dig in and and write some powerful stories, but then they'll run columns that completely justify, mm-hmm. you know, genetically engineered foods or pesticides. So they're yeah. kind of on both sides and you really have to have your radar up about what's what's true and what's mm-hmm. not true. But when they do do good journalism, they, they, that's when companies start to pay attention when it's mm-hmm. in the New York times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately. To, yeah. yeah and they have a I, lot of I, influence yeah. they have a lot of responsibility for this that, and people do really, I don't anymore. I used to really respect the New York times. I used to be like, I was one of their biggest fans. No longer, no longer. Um, and then look at 60 minutes used to, you know, CBS, they used to do all kinds of wonderful ex- exposes and have incredible journalists on a lot of stories. And they have in the past, but you've got nobody really talking, really, really talking about this or really, really talking about vaccines, what's behind them. Katie Couric tried to do an expose years ago and they told her that's the last time you're talking about that, you know, Um, and it's just, 
I don't know. There's just so it, much corruption in media. It's the advertising spend. They can't lose those advertisers, yeah. and the advertisers yeah. are the ones that they should be reporting And on. that's what keeps the rocket going up, unfortunately. You know, um, I've had companies. I'll tell you a couple of quick little things. I had a company uh, that was going to advertise with us at the Expo West, and they were recently bought by Coca-Cola, and they disclosed that in the middle of the interview. I said, this interview is over. I cannot have <laughs> Coca-Cola as an advertiser. We're done. I, am, I apologize. Um, and, I mean, it, and another other company I can't say their name but they said oh Bernadette you're shaking the cage just a little too hard for us to attach our name to it and that's because they're worried about their ROI well we're not going to have any ROI if everybody's dead right <laughs> Stacy yeah well good, good for you first of all for taking a strong line you know we t take no corporate funding and we've had to uh it's difficult to get funding because of the kind of work that we do but I think it's important to, to take a stand yeah absolutely and, um, and, 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 and and keep telling the truth and that's why programs like this are so important as the rest of the media is declining I mean I think we're seeing declines and changes in so many of our major institutions mm -hmm. that are just crumbling um, so it's an uncomfortable time <laughs> I it think is. we all feel that but it, that also means it's a time of great opportunity to make change and set yes. some new more positive models like Jerry's Gardens <laughs> like Jerry's garden and I, and I would be absolutely and I would be remiss if I didn't shout out to the sponsors that have heavily supported our show over the years wonderful companies like Sun Warrior plant-based protein Enviromedica uh, they've been with us for years uh, Sun Warrior was with us for uh, almost 10 years uh, I mean Squatty Potty uh, uh, the Stanley Brothers and uh, the um, Charlotte's Web early on I mean we've we've had some great sponsors Crazy Water uh, is a great sponsor here uh, locally and just you know like really great companies so Kudos to them, and every, I encourage everyone to, uh, to buy their products because they really do care, and they are companies that are doing things right. Um, so uh, check them out at our website at OneLifeRadio.com. We have to go to break. I'm way, over, way yes. overdue. Jerry's losing his mind. I can feel it. We're going to go for a quick break, and we'll be right back. Everyone, stay tuned. Stacey uh, Melkin will be right back on One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at OneLifeRadio.com. Miss a day? Miss a lot. Subscribe to the Defender newsletter at childrenshealthdefense.org to stay on top of the news that matters to you. And tune in every Monday for updates on the Defender's most read news of the week with Mary Holland, president of Children's Health Defense. For the stories you don't want to miss, go to childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for the Defender newsletter today. Wellbeing Journal is a remarkable bi-monthly health publication esteemed by intelligent readers worldwide. It's available in print or digital, single issues or subscription. Its focus is on living a happy, healthy life and preventing or healing illnesses naturally. Preventing or healing cancer, arthritis, cardiovascular conditions, and digestive issues, as well as nutritional solutions for optimal health are regular subjects. Learn more at wellbeingjournal.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. All right, everyone. <laughs> Love that song. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry and Marie and Stacey Malkin. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Uh, Stacey, we only have a couple minutes left, and I want to utilize every second to help you get your word out. So our topic today was, can the nutrition industry, industry be trusted? You've got about 
four minutes. What do you want to say? You've got the floor. First of all, thank you so much for having me and having this discussion. Um, I would love for your readers to check us out at usrtk.org. So that's U.S. Right to Know. And we have lots of original reporting on um, what the pesticide industry is up to, what the ultra-processed food industry is up to. We also research... um, uh, risky types of research. So what's going on at biolabs where dangerous pathogens are stored? That's a problem that we've recently come to focus on, and we've done a lot of reporting into the origins of COVID-19. And we've really helped move the needle on reporting, uh, getting other media outlets to report on these issues, because as we discussed earlier, media is getting increasingly more silent, more wimpy, mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. unwilling to really look at anything that people in power don't want them to look at. So we really think that this independent journalism is so crucial. And whatever you can do to support us, spread the word, we would love that. And the best thing to do would be to sign up for our newsletter. I would love if you would all do that. It's usrtk.org slash sign up. And we do a weekly newsletter recap of all of the um, what we think is the best public health reporting in various publications, as well as breaking news from our investigations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and for all of you thinking about these issues, like just keep at it. It's hard sometimes to look at this stuff, but I think it's incredibly important to to speak the truth, share what we're finding with each other, you know, stand up as leaders in our communities, even mm-hmm. when it's hard, and just be stronger and bolder in telling the truth and insisting on accountability and transparency um, from groups like the American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and the U.S. government. And the institutions that are in our daily lives, like hospitals and schools, and challenge them to do better um, and get involved in making that happen however we can. Absolutely. Don't be a bystander. I saw a, a social media post the other day, and this girl, uh, she was in a college class somewhere, and the professor took a, a fish out of this bowl and put it on the table and said, don't anyone, put everybody in a circle first and said, don't anyone move or touch this fish, and if you do, you instantly fail the course. And he left the room, and they all sat there in horror, and this one girl was telling about the experience of it, right? And she was afraid that she would not, she would, you know, not pass the the class. So they all sat around, and they did nothing, and they sat there and watched this fish die, okay? We can't be bystanders is the point of that story. All of us must participate in fighting this evil, this greed that has taken over our world. It's not just America. It's taken over the world and we need to fight it. Agreed? Yes. You should be All right. fired. <laughs> Amen. The professor Woo-hoo! should be fired. <laughs> the profe- Thank yeah, you yeah. Uh, you're welcome. I've been thinking about that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. No bystanders here, Stacy. right? Thank you so no much. Bystanders. Thank, Thank you for you. all your work and I hope you'll come back. We'll do a regular segment. It'll be great. And I encourage oh, everyone... Anytime. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I encourage everyone to support our great sponsors that keep this show rolling. Companies like Enviromedica, it's the best probiotic on the market. Sun Warrior, been with us for years. Crazy Water, Berkey uh, Water Filters, uh, and uh, Ice Shaker, Ice Shaker, Chris Gronkowski, lots of them. Uh, too many to name, but thank you so much for listening. And don't be a bystander because you get one body, you get one mind, and you only get one life. Oh,